0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. I am so excited for this episode. Today, I am with my new friend, Kate Fassbender from Hem of Christ Ministries, and I'm so happy to have her here and um, just to talk about your organization and how we can support people that are experiencing Alzheimer's and dementia and how how we can support their caregivers. And I mean, it's just such a beautifully complex web of love and sacrifice that people have to experience and, you know, just how we can support our brothers and sisters that are going through that. So anyway, I am excited to have you here and um, I think that you're doing wonderful work. So thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so Kate, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself for all of our listeners.
1: Yeah, so I I love to first describe myself as a mid-work, Midwestern heart living in New England. I'm originally mm. from Wisconsin, and I think that has greatly informed my work in dementia and aging because of the richness and resources that are in that state. I currently live in Rhode Island here right before the pandemic hit, so it's been an interesting transition. But I, I grew up in a family of the arts and a very Catholic family, and all of that has kind of been pillars in in who I am today and what I I
0: set out to do. Hmm, I love that. Oh my gosh! And and what a shift too. I mean, it's cold in both places, so yeah. that's <laughs> that's it, I guess, but but beautiful. Like I heard, Rhode Island is is beautiful. So mm-hmm. I've never I've never been over. I've been to Boston, so but I okay. think that's that's the closest I've been to that side of the earth. But we're so grateful that you're here. And I I just, I would love to just hear more about your ministry, Hem of Christ Ministries. I, in my own family, my uncle, who recently passed away a little over a month ago, was struggling with dementia for many years. And... Mm -hmm. By the grace of God, him and my aunt got to move to Florida from New York where they were previously living. So they moved from the Bronx to very quiet suburb of Florida. And he got to experience the last years of his life just in a very quiet area and got to experience outside and like, you know, and it was just such a joy to be around him when he was still with us, you know, kind of in his own mind and It was it was so great, but it was also so hard for my aunt who became his primary caregiver and her being older, her being in her late 60s. So it was just it was hard on on all of us as on the rest of the family as well, having not ever experienced someone that has been through that before. And so Mm -hmm. I was really just intrigued by what you guys are doing, especially because I could from this past couple of years, I've been able to really see on the front lines how challenging it is to love and support someone who's caring for someone who is just kind of not present in the same way that they were. And so I would just I would just love to hear more about what you guys are doing. And also just, you know, I'll probably say thank you a million times, but thank you for doing what you do because it, it is, it is super tough. So I would love to just hear more about your ministry.
1: Yeah, so the hem of Christ I like to refer to in some ways as a frying pan moment. So I have been working in dementia in some form or another since I was in 6th grade. It was originally mm. a volunteer program that I was a part of and then my grandmother was diagnosed with vascular dementia shortly after my 16th birthday. And that is when all the work that I was doing not impersonal but it was it was removed by a step or two became very personal and very real. And I could see the the layers of, of dementia and what that journey can look like. And so it was at that point when I really decided that professionally I wanted to enter the field. I didn't want to just be a volunteer. I also wanted to work. And so I thought I was going to go off and be a creative arts therapist specializing in dementia. God had different plans for me and I ended up in the life enrichment track instead. And so I was working in life enrichment in various settings in different parts of the country. And as I was doing this, I was recognizing the vast difference in quality of life for those who are supported in faith and those who are not supported in faith. And I saw a little bit about with it with my grandmother, who when she did finally move into a care community, she had access to daily mass, daily rosary. There were priests in and out, religious sisters that were present to... To really help nurture her her faith while also living with dementia, mm. and I think that greatly helped her quality of life um, until up until she when she passed away in 2012. And so, when I ventured out professionally, I made sure that a ministry element was was in my work. And around 2011, a lot of people were telling me, "Oh, you should start a nonprofit. You'd be a great executive director." you have the heart for it. You have the leadership skills for it. You should do it. And I did not want to start a nonprofit for the sake of starting a nonprofit. That just seems Mm. silly. And so I kept the ministry tucked into my for-profit work with the Dementia Letters Project, which really focuses on life enrichment programming, team mentorship and onboarding, as well as dementia education overall, and more of a just broader scope of education. And I was continuing on and continuing on and more and more people were asking, can you sit and pray with me? Can you, can you help me find a priest that will hear my confession? Can you, you know, from the care partner's standpoint, can you, can you help me know how to ask my fellow parishioners for help? Because I don't know how to ask them for help, but I need help.
0: Hmm.
1: And this, this was going on and So I knew I needed to do something and pull that ministry out and put it into its own and its own platform, its own, you know, its own identity outside of the Dementia Letters project. So I was still reluctant to do that because I knew that the best format probably for it would be nonprofit. And again, I didn't want to be another nonprofit in the sea of what felt like daily nonprofits coming up Mm -hmm. all around me. And so I sat on it and In 2017, two things kind of collided together that caused this to move forward. And one is I was working with a resident who was denied the access to go pray the rosary because she was in a locked memory wing and the rosary was being said in assisted living. And Mm. she was devastated. And so I said, you know what? I'm about to clock out. I'll clock out. I'll come back and I'll pray the rosary with you. And so I did. And it was this great experience. And she was somebody where language was kind of coming in and out. But because of the rhythmic nature of the rosary, she was able to recite every single word. And she remembered the mysteries and she was able to fully pray and be present in that. And when I came back the next day, staff was asking me, What'd you do after you clocked out and you went back into a room? I said, We just pray the rosary. And they said, You know, she actually came down for dinner. She interacted with her table mates. She stayed for movie night. And we have never seen that before. And the Mm. only thing I can attribute that to is that she was nourished in a way that she needed to be nourished. And that then elevated everything else.
0: Mm.
1: And God was at work in ways that transcend the neurology that goes on with what was, you know, with dementia and the type of dementia she had. So that collided with the gospel reading of the woman reaching out to touch the hem of Christ. And I remember that gospel was finishing, and I felt like the Holy Spirit had hit me upside the head with a frying pan and saying, This is going to be your nonprofit, and this is what you're going to name it. And so from that point forward, it's been step, I've been taking steps to figure out how do I flesh this out so that it's more than just me going and praying with somebody. That alone is beautiful and good and needed, but there's so much more that can be done in the education realms, in in teaching chaplains who may be at a Methodist care community, but they have Catholics. How do you respect and help them grow in faith while you are not a Catholic? How do we train and teach priests and deacon and religious lives in dementia so that they can come and minister in great and beautiful ways. And also the most important part was how does this live beyond me? Because there became this great realization that if something were to happen to me, every this would all this would stop. And I hmm. didn't know anybody else that was doing it, partly because of fear, partly because I think some people didn't realize that it was needed. We have doctors that say, oh, you know, faith, you don't need that. You won't remember your prayers. You won't remember the mass. So why bother? It's just going to be a distressor hmm. when, in fact, we know the exact opposite is true. In dementia care, there's a lot of talk about short-term memory and long-term memory. Um, and then there's also emotional memory, which dementia cannot destroy. And I like to add to that that there's also spiritual memory, which is also present with those who are living with dementia that dementia cannot destroy in any way. And in fact, I, and sometimes I think it's stronger
0: than the emotional memory. This episode is brought to you by Sock Religious. Sock Religious is an amazing company that is working to evangelize with some pretty cool attire. I have a lot of devotions, especially to my favorite, St. Josephine Biquita. And Sock Religious has a pair of socks with her face on them, which is an amazing conversation starter if you wouldn't even believe it. So make sure to go to SockReligious.com and check out what they have. They have amazing socks, T-shirts, sticker packs, like so many cool things. You'll love it. Make sure to check them out at sockreligious.com. I would love to just hear about, you know, throughout this experience of of starting this, and I mean, and really just having radical faith, radical trust in the Lord and like how Mm -hmm. he's going to work. I would love to just hear about What you would say to someone that's saying, you know, I have a family member that is going through, you know, taking care of a loved one with Mm -hmm. dementia, or I myself, you know, have a dear friend that's going through it and how do I support them and how do I love them well? Because, you know, it's hard, it's confusing. It's, I mean, it's so back and forth just going. I mean, you know, this is like going in and out of recent memories and, Past memories and just trying to be patient, and it, it can be so hard, especially as someone that's supporting another person. If you're not doing it yourself, you know, kind of taking care of someone, it it's it, it's so tough to know how to navigate that. So, what would you say to someone that's like, what, I mean, what do they? What do I do?"
1: Yeah, I would first say that we need to remember that both the care partner and the person living with dementia has dignity, has purpose. And is a beautiful child of God. And dementia does not erase that. Dementia Mm. does not erase the soul that they have, their journey towards heaven. It does not interrupt that. It just happens to be a part of that. And so when we keep that in mind, I, I think it can bring with it some peace in knowing that just by being present with another person is doing a world of good. You know, one of the the biggest struggles with dementia is loneliness and isolation, and it's not necessarily because somebody can no longer drive and go out, or their their time is fully towards care for their loved one, so they don't have time to go out to lunch, go out to dinner, that sort of thing. It's because there's a fear that comes with with dementia, and communities some, tend to dissipate, friends mm. go away. Jobs even sometimes are lost and never regained because of dementia. And mm-hmm. so if, you know, as, as fellow members of this body of Christ, the best thing we can do is to never stop inviting them, even if we know that they can't come to dinner because they need to care for their loved one or it's, it's you know, they're having a bad day and it's just not going to be a good day to leave the house always give that invitation because that means a thousand things to them. And one day they may be able to say yes.
0: Hmm, So join
1: them in community, accompany them. And not everyone is gonna know every in and out of dementia and everybody's journey with dementia is different. So as somebody trying to support somebody living with dementia and their care partner, we're not gonna have all the answers. But if we enter into that, and say, you are my friend, I am praying for you. And if you would like me to bring over a dinner every Tuesday night, I can do that. If you want me to to sit with you while you're in the waiting room, while your loved one's in for a scan, a test, anything. If you want somebody to go visit your loved one if they're now in a care community. Um, Another thing that I think is, Underutilized is the fact that care is very expensive. And for some mm-hmm. of these care partners who give up everything, including their financial stability to care for their loved one, you're draining savings, losing income, simple things as not, not treating it like handouts, but saying, you know what, I will pay for respite care. So you can have a day just to, to do whatever you need to do. Mm you know you can you know sit in adoration all day if you want to or use that day to catch up on your reading or sleep or whatever it may be doing little things like that because even though a one off day of respite care or you know a day of meals or you know offering to pay for somebody to come in to lead a life enrichment program once a week maybe small financial amounts for some people for those who have given up everything to care for their loved one that can make or break them financially. And Mm -hmm. so that's another way that we can support them through the gift of saying, I want to give you this, to give you this moment. And through that, maybe offering them a letter of prayer. You know, the Dementia Letters Project started because I recognize the beauty of letter writing and the power that has. And it started off just writing a letter to dementia. But in this case, maybe, maybe if you live far away, and you can't always, you you don't always see your friend or or somebody living with dementia, every week, write them a note, send them a prayer card, do something simple like that. That's not a bill, that's not a begging letter, that's not junk mail, but something tangible because that will, for the person with dementia, stay in their emotional memory and uplift them. And for the care partner, mean the world because they will see that their community has not disappeared Mm. because of their loved one's dementia.
0: Those are beautiful tips and I mean, beautiful points. And and just from having someone near to me, my aunt, and watching her care for my uncle, it was, I mean, it was such a journey even. I, I loved what you shared just about, you know, you can go and just sleep. Like you don't even have to leave your house. You can just go to your room, sleep. You can eat a snack. You can watch a show. You know, it was such a journey even with my aunt. I mean, I'm blessed that she lives right behind me. And, you know, all hours of the night, just phone calls of, you know, us waking up, going to her house because my uncle had fallen or he, he tried to go to the restroom. And, gone in the wrong room or, you know, he's just, I mean, and just never getting a full night's rest and not like, and not having meals because he's not eating and constantly watching him and worrying. And it's just, I mean, it's the constant mental and emotional toll while also remembering that this person is, was, and is a person that is living a life of integrity, right? And Mm -hmm. we should love them and honor them as such, even though it's really hard. And Mm -hmm. I think, and I think it's a beautiful note to be able to feel like you're someone that's caring for someone else, but you're also being cared for by someone else. So it's like, that's that beautiful kind of like impact of community of, wow, I'm not doing this by myself. That is, that's so wonderful. And I'm curious, like, what are your hopes? I mean, what are your hopes for people caring for a loved one or someone that they know and and just kind of knowledge, broader knowledge about dementia and kind of the impact it has on communities. And what is your hope for the future of that?
1: My hope right now is is very much that our medical and clinical worlds that so dominate dementia care, that even if they are atheists, even if every fiber of their being hates the Catholic church, that they learn that those who are Catholic have a rich tradition of faith and a relationship with God and that that needs to be nourished and that mm. they can find ways to support that even if it's outsourcing through, you know, the Hem of Christ or other organizations throughout, throughout the
0: country and, and even world because this is a kind of a global thing. That's beautiful. And I, you know, definitely think that it's possible. And I could see a world where people are like, you know, acknowledge. And I love what you were sharing earlier just about this emotional memory and the spiritual memory, right? And I, I reflect on even my grandmother in her old age her singing gospel songs and reflecting on moments of when she was in church and, you know, and, and songs she used to sing and Bible verses she used to read and Mm -hmm. never forgetting them, always remembering them in full, always remembering every word, you know, but could not remember her friend's phone numbers or whatever, Mm -hmm. but just, you know, remembering those things that were important to her. And if, you know, if we were singing, Jesus loves me, she was right in the front, like singing it full blast. And it was always so awesome to know that Jesus is manifest, even in spaces where you're like, he's completely gone. Because you might feel like, gosh, This person that I love and know is just not there anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. but Jesus is there and he's always there. And that's just such a beautiful thing to to remember that. Yes. And what a loss it would be to not have that be nourished. So thank you so much for sharing that. And where can we find more information about what you all are doing and where can we support you guys?
1: Sure. So you can reach out. The website is hemofchrist.org across social media. We are at Hem of Christ, so you can find us there. And if you want to reach out to me directly through email, feel free to email me at kate at hemofchrist.org.
0: Awesome. Well, I will make sure to put that in our show notes so everyone can check that out. And we're so grateful that you were here. It is, for everyone listening, it is like 830. Kate is such a champ. So. It is definitely late at night. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm I'm hopeful that when people listen to this episode, they'll feel encouraged.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you to Kate for being our guest today. Make sure to check out Hem of Christ Ministries at hemofchrist.org. They're doing really great things in the work of dementia care and advocating for those that we love. So if you are taking care of someone with dementia, know that I am praying for you and you are doing good work. I hope that this episode was helpful and gave you a spirit of hope. We will be praying for our brothers and sisters experiencing dementia and Alzheimer's. And we're grateful for this platform to be able to talk about such an important topic. I'm looking forward to talking with y'all in the next couple weeks. Please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.